Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, Bills Mafia? I'm Fernando Shimudi, that's your leading the charge. And today I have the, the pleasure of having Randy Hartman with me to talk some Bills and Giants preview, to, to put away that Bills and Jaguars game in London. So, Randy, thank you so much for being here, man. I really appreciate you taking your time to join us today and welcome. Oh, appreciate you having me on again. Thanks. Awesome, man. Awesome. So we're going to have a good time talking Bills and Giants for sure, but I, I want to start talking still Bills and Jacks to put that game away. And I would love to hear your, your thoughts about that game, Randy, because I, I don't know about you, man, but I feel like a lot of Bills Mafia has kind of overlooked those Jaguars. I think they had a pretty decent team, a, a lot of quality, on, on, especially on their offensive side of the ball with the playmakers and, and obviously uh, Lawrence with all the hype pre-draft and, and, and how great of a prospect he was. Maybe some people uh, is a little bit down on him for him not being a Patrick Mahomes type right now or, even, or a Josh Allen type right now, but... They're still pretty good, man, and they're a team that probably are, are going to make the playoffs and are going to be a, a tough team to be beat in, on January. How did you feel about that loss? And and obviously, with all that happened during the game, how the Bills started to stockpile injuries on the defensive side of the ball, what were your thoughts about that loss in London, man? Well, going into that game, it was kind of earmarked on, on my schedule before the season as one of those ones that, you know, I, I didn't feel great about. Um because Jacksonville is kind of an up-and-coming team, Lawrence, you know, being the the player that he is, he's kind of underperformed so far. Not that he's been bad, but he's been kind of underwhelming a little bit um, for a lot of people. I, I think that's kind of one of those situations where he's going to grow into it. But right now, he's um, he seems like a guy that's trying not to make a lot of mistakes, but at the same time, wanting to make some big plays. Like the two fumbles that he had. I think he could have gotten rid of those balls faster and, and would have avoided those. But, um, you know, that's just who he is right now. As far as that game, uh, you know, it was it was one where I was worried about. Excuse me. Hold on just a second. No problem. Yeah, I mean, it was it was something I was worried about um, going into it because uh, they, they do play us tough a lot of times. The injuries started stacking up. Worst case scenario for us, losing – you know, Daquan Jones and Matt Milano and already being down Trey White. Um, just just not good. Um, and then the, the offense sleepwalking for three quarters, you know, finally turning it on a little bit in the back half of the second half there, but it just wasn't quite enough. And frankly, they, they let us down. I mean, I think the defense, all things considered, gave us as, as best of an effort they could. Um, we got a problem with Kyrie Elam, it looks like. Uh, you know, to much people's dismay. Um but overall, I don't put that on. I don't put this loss on the defense. I put it squarely on uh, the offense, just not being able to get going early enough. I mean, they, it's not like they they thumped us or anything. It was a it was a close game at the end, and had we scored early, I think it would have been a different game. But we just couldn't get out of our own way, and it bit us uh, it bit us in the tail at the end. So, you know, just kind of looking pat uh, looking to move past it and and into this week. Uh, I, I think this will be a nice game to rebound. Absolutely, man. And and I feel just like you about that game. And and the only thing that I was a bit concerned about that game, because just like you said, the defense did a good job, in my opinion, considering all that happened in that game. You lose Milano, who has been your best player uh, in, in this defense all year long, and you lose Daquan Jones, that 
might be the most underrated player in the league uh, this year with all his performances and the way he, he has dominated inside. Um, you already had lost Trey Davis White in the previous week, so a lot of tough injuries to overcome, and that defense could still help that talented uh, Jaguars offense and, and keep them in a low-scoring game. So I felt like they did their job most of the time, and unfortunately, just like you said, if Kyrie were... A little bit better, maybe they could have uh, left the field on some of those third third down situations where Lawrence could find uh, Ridley most of the time against Elon. And that's yeah. a tough matchup for him to begin yeah. with, much less yeah. coming off coming off being a healthy scratch the first you know several weeks. I mean that's a that's a tough draw for for a guy that young. And um, you know I I understand that he's you know one of the first in last out guys and all that good stuff. But uh, to me, that's a that's a bigger sign of a problem because if he's working that hard and it's still not connecting, mm -hmm. then uh, we got a we got a bigger problem than than we might want to uh, acknowledge on our hands. Yeah, and and especially when okay, people are always talking about how it's a transition for Elon in this defense and playing more soft zones and communicating, but he was put in some situations that he was supposed to do really well. On man to man against Ridley, just him and Ridley one on one. So those were the situations that he was supposed to thrive, right? And and obviously, just like you said, Ridley is a guy who can give trouble even to the best cornerbacks in the league. But uh, it's something to to keep an eye on. I I wouldn't uh, completely quit on Elon right now, but I want to see him rebounding, especially against these giants that they don't have really weapons uh, at the level of Ridley's. Uh, so that's something that I would like to really see from 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 Elon in the next game. But also on the other side of the ball, because that's what concerned me, because uh, it, it wasn't like our offense struggled because Josh wasn't on a bad day. Josh played really well and, and made good decisions. Uh, so he had a good game, but still or we couldn't run the ball right and and again when we can't run the ball maybe we need more from josh than your typical quarterback making good decisions uh all the time you need that superman josh and maybe we didn't have it or maybe he didn't have enough uh help how did you see that happening on the offensive side of the ball again gave in and knocks with some drops early a couple uh, both shared drops actually one drop each one yeah. and on third downs and and I felt like again it was Diggs, and then nothing, nothing else, or not much after Diggs to help Josh in, in all game along, all game long. And then in the end, Gabe finally started to to take advantage of one on ones and play well, and we could score. But all game long, it wasn't the case. How did you feel about this offensive side of the ball against the Jaguars? I mean, you know, running game wise, it, it felt like they couldn't get anything going. Um, I'm I'm pretty tired of seeing that sprint draw um, early in the game without really doing anything to set it up. I think it's obvious. I think teams are keying on it. They've seen it enough on the film and tape uh, to really be able to identify it, and they're they're not doing anything uh, to really mask it or make it a surprise. Uh, in my opinion, I think a lot of people share this opinion. They need to get Josh under center. They need to utilize play action. It helps those longer developing routes to be able to throw the ball downfield so the defense doesn't uh, key on it. It kind of gives them a little bit of confusion. And then also being able to free up your tight ends in the middle. I mean, I know that there's been plenty of uh, clips shown where, you know, they try and uh, get the ball to, to Kincaid as far as design the right play. But, you know, defenses know it. They're doubling them. They showed it in the Miami game. And I think, um, you know, he just hasn't had a lot of opportunities uh, to open it up. So, I mean, there's some concern that despite our, our efforts to add playmakers, that it's becoming, you know, the, the dig show and digs, digs and more digs. And there's not a whole lot else. Um, I think we'll probably see a difference this week. I think Jacksonville is a little bit tougher of a matchup for us. And that was a contributing factor. But all in all, yeah, they they do need to spread it around a little bit more and, and try and get other people involved. So it's not just Josh Diggs all the time. Um, eventually you're going to need contributions from other people and we haven't been getting as much as I think people would like. Now, with that being said, 
we're in one of the top offenses in the league. So it's not like we're, we're garbage. Um, it's just that I think people want to see a little bit more diversity in the attack and the game plan. Yeah, man. Spin just commented here, play calling was horrible this game. And, you know, I think sometimes too much is, is put on, on Dorsey sometimes, man. And I feel like execution isn't always uh, ideal, you know? Like, for example, yeah. you didn't have a run game, man. Our offensive line couldn't establish a new line of scrimmage and, and establish a, a decent run game, and it starts to put you in trouble already. And then you design some place to people to win one-on-ones or, or being able to make a guy miss and, and or guys other than digs we don't have really it happening consistently i i remember the the two-point conversion play and the only thing that i question there is why shakir and not hardy on that situation because when i think about the hardy being signed for the money that the bills paid him like it was exactly for that kind of play you know where you can kind of get him in motion isolate him on one-on-one and, and trust him to make a guy miss. And they had that opportunity and put Shakir on that opportunity and he couldn't make the guy miss the, the tackle. So I, I felt like the Bills sometimes, uh, or even Dorsey, for, uh, are questionable with the decisions they, they made about who, who are executing some of those plays. But maybe they are just also figuring it out, figuring it out like, who are the best guys for each kind of situation? They are still giving opportunities to everybody. And, and that's why we see situations like just like this one that I mentioned. But overall, I feel like, and again, it's not like I'm telling they are, they are bad, but I'm telling about when we face the best defenses, when we face uh, playoff football against defenses that are going to game plan for you and they are going to have quality to cause trouble to you. Uh, do you have the right pieces behind Allen, uh, behind Diggs or, or alongside Allen and Diggs? But the secondary weapons, I feel like they're not consistent enough, and 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 they are to beat bad teams or or your regular season opponents, right? And just like you said against the Giants, I really trust them to put up a lot of points on the scoreboard. But when it toughens up and when you need to to match up against a playoff caliber defense. I don't feel like they're giving enough or run game. We really can trust them still. Our offensive line, they, they've been better, but not dominant or not good enough to so we can run against the Jets. We can run against the Jaguars. And the secondary pieces, they sometimes still drop some passes that you like, come on. Or even the 50-50 balls never are 50-50 for weapons, you know. It seems Josh trusts the guys and, and they can't make plays for him. So... Uh, uh, it's and that's kind of been a theme over a couple of years now is that we've been a, we've been really good at beating the crap out of the bad teams and the middling teams. And when we get to teams that are closer to our level, especially in the playoffs, it's been a little bit more difficult. It's like they, they fight themselves a little bit. And the idea is that you want your offense to be matchup proof. You want to be able to, you know, adjust to any defensive style and to still be able to produce. Uh, no matter what. And I think that's the idea behind Kincaid and running a lot of 12 is to make it matchup proof. And it just, we haven't seen it yet. It's still early. I mean, we're uh, almost a third of the way through the season. So I, I hate saying it's still early, but it is still early in the season uh, football wise. So there's plenty of time left for it to kind of gel and develop and, and mature. But uh, you know, come January, we don't want to be having these conversations about, you know, uh, is, is this team a bad matchup? No, we, we are supposed to be a bad matchup for every opponent going forward. And we haven't quite seen it yet twice. Now in this early part of the season, uh, we've seen it's where people have been able to essentially neutralize uh, what we want to do offensively and not being able to adjust to it. And that's uh, something that we have to fix going forward. Yeah, man. Spin also commented here about Dorsey, not having an answer to stack boxes from the Jags and, and, I felt like uh, in this game, the Bills uh, approach in a way like, you know, we are doing something good or run game got going. Uh, so we have a plan now that we can just play our game and we'll be able to beat everybody uh, without like adjusting or, or, you know, making some something different when things don't work out. And this game against the Jacks was proof that it's not really 
true for the Bills yet. We don't have an offensive line that no matter what will establish the run game or, you know, the run game will work against everybody. No, I feel like, and again, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a guy who likes Dorsey a lot and I also like Dable a lot. I'm not a big, oh, Dable was way better than Dorsey, nor I am like Dorsey is better than Dable. I like both. And But one thing that we could see with Dable was this multiple offense, you know, like, we could, uh, if we remember the game against the, the, the Chiefs, the 13 seconds game, the first half we played a lot of under center, tried to run the ball with Singletary. And then there was a click when we needed to go two-minute drill in the end of the first half. And right after the, 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 the halftime, we had a play action, deep, deep pass to Gabe Davis, a big play touchdown. And then after that, it started like the Bills put Josh Allen in Superman mode and shotgun and five wide and a lot of uh, spread uh, concepts and, and less under center, less establishing the run game. I felt like this game against the Jags was something that uh, maybe could have worked. Like, okay, we can't run the ball. Let's spread it out. Let's try to, to, to punish them uh, horizontally, attack them and, and, you know, spread that defense also and make them make some decisions about those loaded boxes. And I don't feel like Dorsey had this plan for this game. You know, I felt like he had one game plan and he wanted to stick to it until the end and, and it wasn't working. They were still trying to establish it. Do you feel like they can be more multiple? They can can have more variety of plays and, and, and concepts even with this group that the Bills have? Because even if Behind Diggs, we don't have great, great talent, like top-notch talent. We have a lot of variety in the kind of wide receivers we have and the two tight ends, three running backs with different styles. Do you feel like that's something that Dorsey can take advantage going forward? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's capable of making those adjustments. I think part of it, and what we don't really know, is that, you know, how much freedom does Josh have and to be able to identify what's going on and to adjust the play call based on what he's seeing. Um, how much of it is him maybe doing that, but not being correct. We don't know. Um, I, I think with the weapons we have aside from digs, nobody has come out and become an a one uh, creator, so to speak, as far as being able to make the offense move, being able to drive the offense. We know that Dawson Knox is a good contributing player, uh, we know that Gabe Davis can be a good contributing player. Neither one of those guys are our top end uh, as far as creating talents. We want Dawson Kincaid to be that guy. He's six games into his rookie year. So I, I think aside from those three guys, what you're talking about is the Shakirs and Hardys, who I think are primed to be upgraded in the very near future. Um, and that's not even counting on Davis if he's coming back or not. I do think going forward, there's going to be some upheaval in that skill position room um, to try and get some better top end talent. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, Randy, and with all this talk about the offense, and one thing that I really hope it isn't uh, away forever and just they are just controlling it and, and holding this out of the game plans for now, but having a package totally ready to be used in the playoffs is Josh Allen running the football because obviously we don't want Josh taking hits right now and 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 being put in a in a difficult situation or in danger of of taking hits and getting injured but by playoffs times when those games that you can't run the ball having a quarterback that can run the ball like Josh can and uh that's that that could be the difference for example of winning or losing that game against the Jaguars and I can understand they wanting to avoid it for now 
but hopefully they they don't play like this in the playoffs like oh we won't run josh to avoid hits no we gotta <laughs> use this part of his game it's a big part of his game right look if if anybody knows josh and i think we all are familiar with his play style by now come playoff times he's going to do whatever he needs to do and probably things he doesn't need to do to try and win those games i'm not worried about him about them trying to reel him in come playoff times and say don't run the ball because I, I promise you, if they tell him don't run in the playoffs and he sees it as an opportunity, he's going to run and apologize later. I mean, that's just the way he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the guys are there, right? He can call his own number. He can call the, he, he can call the play that isn't even in the playbook anymore, but the guys know the play from the, the previous years. And, okay, we're going to yeah. run this ball right now. And, Mitch, just pull and be the the puller and lead this, this run, and I'll follow you, right? I hope it happens, man. But I, I believe Dorsey has that that uh, just being held out for now, but ready for playoffs. And it should make uh, the Bills' offense life easier when Josh really is unleashed, run the ball also. But also talking about this Bills' offense, uh, a lot of people are talking trades at, in this point, especially on the defensive side of the ball, because we've lost so many important pieces there already. But... The name of the moment has been Jerry, uh, Jerry Judy, right? Because of the situation with the Broncos, all, all the the bad situation there for him. And also he, he's being underachieving. We can't uh, just say, oh, he's in a bad situation. Okay, he could have made this situation better maybe, right? How do you feel about Judy? Do you think he could help? Like, I think a lot of people see the name and, and think about Jerry Judy, the prospect, and that was exciting. And But he hasn't been this guy, right? And, and I like him. I actually think he can help the Bills, but I'm not sure if, if he's worth the price maybe. And how do you feel about this? So there, there's a couple different parts of that conversation. One is that has he lived up to his draft status? Absolutely not. Now, a lot of people want to blame it on the quarterbacks and the situation in Denver, and that's fine. You can choose to do that if you want to. But the way I see it is that there have been a lot of examples of receivers that uh, go to teams that are bad, and they're, they haven't been as mediocre as Judy has been in his time in the league. So I think part of it's him, part of it's the situation. Uh, and so I don't – I get the idea behind bringing him in because he's not going to be asked to be a number one. Diggs is here, obviously. They've got Kincaid. So it's not like it's all going to be on his shoulders. But the price to bring him in, I mean, you're talking about, you know, uh, a one, a couple twos, maybe a one and a three or one and a four, two and a four. I mean, whatever the price tag is, the bottom line is that you only have him for this year and next year. And then there's you're talking about an extension. Now, if you do that, your hope, your hope as a GM, as Brandon Bean, as Sean McDermott, as every fan, is that you make that trade and then he becomes a great player, right? Well, then what happens after next year? You get the, through the fifth-year option, and if he's that great, he's going to be on the free agent market at top-end money, and, you're, and he's going to end up going anyway. So what's the point, unless you think that he, as this – you know, just a guy receiver at this point in his career is the reason that's going to bring you over the top and win a Super Bowl. I don't buy it. It's I'm sorry. It's just not, I get the idea behind it, but I'm just not, it's just not something that I'm willing to do. I don't want to mortgage any sort of future picks on a guy who hasn't proven to be worth it any more than basically a, a three at this point in his career. I mean, Cortland Sutton's the one in Denver. And he hasn't been injured the whole time Judy's been there. They've been on the field at the same time, and Judy hasn't pulled his weight. So I'm I'm not a fan of that move. I'd rather stick it out with Gabe Davis. I'm pretty sure he's going to be gone in free agency this year anyway. And then just draft and develop this year. Take two receivers this year, not one. Take two, one high and one medium, and develop those guys out. If Shakir sticks around, great. If Hardy sticks around, great. But if they don't and these, these new guys come in and beat them out, even better. Yeah, man. And and I think Bean and, and the coaching staff, they have a plan. And 
they had the opportunity to add DeAndre Hopkins, who's a more proven guy than, than Judy for sure. He wouldn't cost any picks. And, and okay, but he's the money. old. And yeah. it would cost a lot of money. Yeah, but I mean, like, would you rather add DeAndre Hopkins and not wasting a pick or, or trading for Judy? That's my point. Like, they could have added Hopkins and they didn't. So why would they now pay, pay uh, a price for Judy and, and send a pick to Denver, you know, when they, they didn't want Hopkins? So I think they trust their guys and they will uh, see until week eight, three deadline, if, they, if Kincaid can, can start to, to get more opportunities and deliver. If one of the guys outside, other than Gabe, but if if uh, Shakir, Sheffield, uh, Hardy, any of those guys can can separate from the others in, as in the packing order as secondary weapons, and and if they can really get something out of the guys they have, because it was the plan clearly, they could have added that wide receiver in Hopkins, a more established one, but they avoided it, and I don't feel like they are going to trade for anybody at this point, you know? Unless I don't think the, so. Yeah, unless it, the, the, the offense really struggles going forward until the, the the trade deadline, I really can't see being making a move. As as much as maybe I would like to, to see a guy being added and to have a feeling that, okay, now you have one more weapon that can be trusted, but I don't know, man. I don't see they going that direction. And I mean, plus, if you, you're talking about if you're talking about Judy or, or any other receiver coming in, I mean, they're going to they're going to come in. Diggs is one. Gabe Davis is two. And they play him. He's on the field more than Diggs is, mm-hmm. you know, in this offense. And then yeah. you've got Kincaid and Knox. So you're talking about a guy trading for a guy, potentially a high end asset trading for a guy who's going to be no better. Oh, and I forgot about James Cook. No better than the sixth option in your receiving game. Why on earth would you trade a high-end asset for a guy that's going to come in and be no better than your sixth option? It's, it doesn't make any sense. Put it that way. Yeah, I, I agree, man. I really don't see anybody coming in during the season and, and taking over <laughs> those guys you mentioned. You know, like For sure, Gabe will be ahead of this guy. And, and, and then the tight ends, man. At least those guys will be ahead of them. Yeah. Fifth at best, right? Fifth yeah, at best, yeah, yeah. more than likely sixth. Now, yeah. if you're talking about, you're talking about after the season. Yeah, know? I mean, yeah, if, you, if you're talking about once, yeah, once once Gabe is is out of the picture potentially, and maybe trading for a receiver, then okay, we can have that conversation. Instead of drafting one high, you trade for one, okay, but not right now. Yeah, and and I feel like. The, the the direction the Bills should really go right now is finding ways to to use Kincaid a little bit more, man. Like uh, we saw again that that uh, map of of Josh's passes in the middle of the field being ignored, and that's something that they might they must find a way of of yeah. fixing and using because you can't really have a, a, a successful offense uh, as uh, a consistent offense ignoring the middle of the field like we see Tua making his life with the middle of the field and then going outside exploring mismatches and the bills are are the totally the total opposite you know I, so using more Kincaid there maybe even uh moving more digs inside that's and, what you got him for that's yeah, why man. you go and take a get a Kincaid is to utilize him over the middle we haven't you know, seen those same routes, you know, that he, he had his best plays in his tape from, from college are those same routes where he goes up and, and and grabs the ball and goes down with it. So we gotta see more of that in this offense. And I think that's the, the my my biggest uh challenge for Dorsey going forward, you know. I think it will help this offense a lot, man. A lot to stay more on the field if Kincaid can be established in the middle of the field. And so, uh, in the defensive side of the ball, we lost a lot of important guys. I saw a lot of uh, Bills Mafia fans being like, oh, the season is over and things like that. I, I wouldn't go as far as them. But they were some tough, tough injuries, man. If we lost Vaughn and Micah Hyde last year and it was tough, 
I can I I would say to these years injuries have been even uh, worse because yes, Vaughn is awesome, Hyde is awesome, but Milano has been the best player in this defense. Daquan Jones so so good man, so underrated, and then Travis White in the previous week, three major pieces in the three levels of this great defense. How do you feel about the 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 replacements there and and trade possibilities? Maybe I again don't see the Bills planning to go for trades there, man. I I just think they are they were kind of prepared for losing people. Obviously, nobody have uh, the same kind of level in in the depth pieces, but the Bills have depth pieces that you can expect them to to be good or to develop well, like Darren Williams in Milano's place and. And the cornerbacks, Elon gotta be better, but we have been for we have been Jackson and in the in the defensive tackle rotation. Thank God Oliver has been awesome this year. And again, Puna Ford is a guy who I even saw it on Twitter. Like, oh, if we traded for Puna Ford now, everybody would be fired up. And we added the guy in the offseason, and now everybody is like ignoring the fact that he's on the, the roster, right? And so how do you feel about the Bills' defense going forward with all these pieces? Uh, obviously, we'll be missing, but we have some replacements. What are your expectations? Well, yeah, I mean, thank goodness we had, we got Puna Ford. That was a great signing by Bean. Um, you know, obviously, I don't think he's going to completely replace what Daquan Jones brings, but he's going to he's going to lighten the, uh, you know, lighten the burden of losing Daquan Jones uh, for an extended period. Uh, you know, I on record as not being a fan of the Dorian Williams pick or the Terrell Bernard pick the year before. Turns out I'm an idiot and they were good picks because we needed them. So, uh, you know, it's probably going to see some growing pains. Uh, You might see AJ Klein come in there um, and take some snaps at some point. Um, I would think maybe Balen Spector might be mixed in a little bit here and there once he comes back from injury. But yeah, losing Milano, obviously no one's going to hundred percent replace him in this defense, but I think having several viable options to come in uh, and platoon that position in his absence is going to be worthwhile. Our big problem is at corner. Um, You know, Elam has not proven to be a viable replacement over there. So you're talking about Benford and uh, more than likely Dane Jackson, when he's healthy, is probably going to get either a split or or over on Elam. Um, And I think Dane Jackson's not a bad player. I don't think he's a plus player in any way, shape, or form. And I think that he can be readily exploited um, by the right personnel and by the right coaches. So uh, it's a it's a weak spot. It went from being a strength to a weakness now, uh, combined with the fact that I haven't been overly impressed with some of our safety play this year. Uh, it, it makes it all the more important for the offense to be able to step up in every situation because – I feel like our our margin of error is going to be slimmed down as far as point differential goes moving forward. Uh, whereas we might have been a team that gives up, you know, 13 to 19 points a game. I think that's probably going to go up by around a touchdown uh, to 20 to 26 points a game going forward. Um, so we got we got to be able to score and score at will uh, more often than not. Yeah, man, and I don't know about most of people. I don't know about you, but for me, the, the entire season and the, the Bills Super Bowl hopes always have been more on the offensive side of the ball and the offense being able to score a lot and, and consistently than on the defensive side of the ball. Because I feel like no matter how good your defense is, when it comes and when you face the best offenses in the league, they won't be able to win the game for you like holding them like shooting them down, you know, shooting them out. They will need to make some some good plays on third down, create some timely turnovers. But winning the game playing defense and scoring a few points, it's not. I don't feel like it's uh, it's possible consistently facing the the Mahomes and the the, the great offenses, especially in the AFC. And and so when I see the defense obviously taking a huge hit with those guys being out. I wasn't, I never was trusting them to, to be a dominant unit by playoffs time, you know, like, I don't know if it was the 13 seconds, you know, but 
when we lost that game, man, I, I totally lost my hope on, on the defense leading the Bills, you know. I felt like, no, you need Josh Allen leading them and, and you need he leading them, like, for real, you know, like, because he did it that game and the defense lost the, the, the that game twice or even three times if you count the overtime in the last two minutes and overtime. So I feel like our offense is still pretty healthy. They have stuff to figure it out, but they can be dominant. They, we, I can be, I believe we can see Josh playing at that level again by playoff times, you know, in the defense. Yeah, we miss those guys, but we have Von Miller back. We have Micah Hyde back uh, at safety. So we have the pass rush. Even without Von Miller, it was really strong. And with Von, when healthy, fully healthy or fully in form again, it will even get better. Thankfully, my guy, Terro Bernard, has played really well. Obviously, he can't replace Milano, but... Man, I've been I I was a, a believer and I've been impressed because he's already been put in a situation that I don't know if you saw, but uh, I think in yesterday's practice, uh, McDermott called Micah Hyde and, and Terrell Bernard for a conversation, spent some time with them, and it just shows already how important he's already for this defense, like as a cerebral part of the defense, the leader, one of the leaders of the defense, and all the communication being uh, himself and, and Hyde, the ones called to, to talk with McDermott. And again, they could be even talking about what they're going to have for dinner, but I, I would like to believe that that was an important conversation about the communication part, leadership part of the defense. And Bernard already has established himself a, one of those guys, so it's been a, a big-time win for, for this Bills defense, the fact that Bernard can, can be counted as this kind of guy already. Uh, so I feel like our defense, yes, it's worse than it was before with the loss of those pieces, but they still can be this opportunistic defense that can create some turnovers, can can get out of the field in timely situations and, and give the Bills offense opportunities to win it all. By well, that's, that's, that's really what's important, right, is being able to get off the field on third downs and take advantage of the opportunities that are, that are presented, right? Mm-hmm. I mean – we're not talking about an 85 Bears defense here. They don't have to be dominant. They just got to be able to provide the offense with as many opportunities as possible, whether that be through three and outs or turnovers. That's all. That's all I want. Yeah. Give the offense as many chances as possible. Don't let the other team get long developing drives. Don't let them take nine minutes off the clock in any part of the game in one drive, you know, from, from end to end, that's what you got to avoid. Give Josh the ball as many times as you can. If you can do that, nine times out of ten, we're going to win. Period. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I feel they still can do that. Just like you said, yeah, maybe one touchdown more in the points per game department. But I'm not, again, I'm not focusing regular season. Maybe I'm overlooking over regular season, but I feel... Even if you don't win the division, man, I want to get in the playoffs, you know, and, and with the team as healthy as possible. If you can get the seed one and have a bye week, awesome. But if you don't have the seed one, I don't feel like it's being a, a, an advantage playing Buffalo during the playoff run, unfortunately. Sometimes due to weather, sometimes, I don't know. I just don't feel like, ah, you prefer to play Miami in Buffalo or, or in Miami. Man, I think the Bills can beat on both places they can beat Miami and if the weather is good it's good so Josh is gonna be able to air it out also so you know I feel like this um so I feel like this defense can still do the job that's in the necessary job so this offense can can play well and win it all so it's still on the offense and we still have everybody on this side of the ball so I don't really feel less confident than I was before that this team still has the, the window open this year. And I hope they can really uh, figure out the deficiencies on offense and, and the adjustments on defense can happen in a way that they con- can continue to dominate on regular season and, and, and be a tough opponent by playoffs time. I don't think we can ask for much more than, much more than that, right? Uh, for the people who are like, oh, the Bills 
gonna be so good that they dominate all the regular season and playoff time man it's not never gonna happen it's tough to win in the nfl everybody says that it sounds cliche but especially by playoff time there won't be a, a easy walk to the long to the, your way to a lombard trophy right so no i, I mean I, that that new england game was such an anomaly as far as being able to just to dog walk a, a playoff opponent like that like that's that's not something that you come to expect year in and year out. You know, it's tough, it's tough in the playoffs and being able to win those tough games is what's important. And I, I think despite the injuries, we're still more than capable of being able to, to get in the tournament and to run the table and, and have a Super Bowl trophy to raise at the end of the day. Uh, it'll just be a little bit more difficult now. So. Yeah, man. True. And how about these Giants? Let's focus on them now in this last part of the show because we have a game Sunday night against the Giants and that's an opponent that has been awful this season. It, it's awkward because uh, they had a, such a nice season last year, they were coach of the year, and it's, it, it looked like they were trending up and, and we I think it's normal for us to to expect or to draw a line similar to the Bills when McDermott took over and, and then we see Devil taking over Giants and they start to be good uh, as soon as he take over and they start to be promising and they they make the playoffs and you think, okay, they are going upwards, Sean is there, Devil is there, a lot of former Bills are there, but then season two for them comes and, and they, they've been awful, man, and in my opinion, it starts with the decision of sticking to to Jones, Daniel Jones. Man, I I, I hate to to to. I don't want to be a, a total hater, you know. But man, he just like when the Bills moved on from Tyrod, right? If if the Bills could move on from Tyrod, man, I I I can't believe they 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 decided to stick with Daniel Jones, you know. And uh, see. I, I get it. I get what yeah. they were doing. Yeah, I get what they were doing. You know, please, they, they please felt. Let, let me know because I, I'm so confused about this, man. I'm like, it's... I don't know. So this guy I, won't be... I think this is what I think. All right. The idea behind it is that, you know, he had a serviceable year last year and they got to the playoffs, right? They like the physical attributes. He's big, he's mobile, he's got a decent arm. Not great, obviously. Not Josh level by any means. Um, but they like all the, all the traits and the attributes there, and they, they felt like if they put enough around him, it would be sustainable to the point where they could get a couple more years, be able to build up some goodwill, and then really flip that position in probably two years, right? Well, those offensive line investments that they've made haven't turned out at all. Andrew Thomas has been hurt. Evan Neal's been pretty freaking awful, uh, as far as I can tell. Uh, I think John Michael Schmidt's injured. They had another guy that, that's injured. They got a 32nd ranked offensive line in the league. Um, that's not a recipe for protecting or developing your quarterback that you just paid a boatload of money to. So my question is, if anyone says, oh, they should have moved on from Daniel Jones, who are you going to bring in behind what that offensive line turned out to be, which is god-awful, that's going to do any better than what Jones has done at this point? I, I, I am pressed to find a solution as far as where they would have gone. So I get the reason why they stuck with Jones. I'm not saying it was a great investment, but I understand the logic behind it. And I think to pile on Jones and pile on Dable and Shane for, for doing that is, is misguided. Uh, do I think they should upgrade at that position this offseason? Absolutely. There's, they're going to have a pretty high draft pick by, by all measures so far. Yeah. So why not, why not go for it and, you know, basically put Jones on notice. That's fine. But going into the season, I get the reasoning behind it. Um, there, things are not clicking well. And we know that Dable can design the offense, but it takes two to tango. They got to be able to execute it. And so far, it just hasn't been there. Uh, they don't have great weapons around Jones. I know they invested in Jalen Hyatt. I haven't seen a whole lot from him. I know they invested in Waller. Uh, that hasn't exactly come to fruition uh, as much as they had probably hoped. But uh, aside from that, I mean, there's not a whole lot there. Isaiah Hodgins, great story at the end of last year. Um, not exactly a, a premier weapon. And then the other guys they have, 
you know, I don't have a depth chart in front of me, but I couldn't probably I couldn't pick them out in the street if they were if they were walking next to me in the grocery store. Oh, I, so I, I they're they're not great. They're not great at the skill positions. Uh, Saquon's been on and off, and it, it just it's just not all it's not all there. They need they need to uh, get massive improvements on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, man. Uh, Hyatt has had uh, five targets all year long. Yeah. And four receptions. So that's a guy that we might see they trying to use more, even against the Bills this this game. And, and because it makes zero sense to, to give these guys so many opportunities with the other weapons they have. Like, Darius Slayton has been their best receiver this season. And... And they love to target guys inside. The the guys with most targets in this in this offense are are Darren Waller and Paris Campbell. The, I would the, look for them to try and get Hyatt on Elam, honestly. Yeah. If I were if I were Dable, I'd be trying to get that matchup. Yeah, absolutely. And and Hyatt can fly. So if there is something that he can do, is take the top of the defense. And and Daniel Jones won't play, right? He was ruled out by by Dable today. And Tyrod is going to have his revenge game against the Bills, man. So I will tell you one thing. I'm more worried about Tyrod than I was about Daniel Jones, you know. I I, I feel like, obviously, it's not the, the it's not the Bills version of Tyrod anymore. It's an older Tyrod right now. It's He's not in his prime anymore. But, man, it, it's all about how did you feel also about, about Tyrod. And I, I really love the guy, you know. Not like Josh, obviously, but I liked him a lot. I thought he 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 did a great job. And, and a lot of the stuff that people criticized him for being uh, too, too much uh, conservative. It's just the nature of how he was brought in because he, when he was drafted, he was a sixth round pick drafted by the Ravens to be a backup to Joe Flacco. So that's a guy who look, when you get in, man, just not destroy your game, you know, just get it going, run the ball, get some first downs, protect the ball, let the defense win the game for us, you know? And that was, that's how he was coached up in the NFL. And so I feel like he did a good job for the bills. Total respect for the guy. I hope, he can get a standing ovation from the crowd before the game, and then they can boo him all game long. But I hope he can feel the love a little bit because that's a guy who has a nice place in the Bills' history. Yeah, Tyrod, Tyrod's interesting because his first year in Buffalo, he led the league in downfield throwing percentage. Um, and then he earned that little extension that he got, and all of a sudden, uh, it's like he was playing not to lose his job. And all that downfield throwing that was so exciting that that built up all that goodwill uh, for Tyrod just slowly eroded away, and he became uh, you know the reincarnation of Trent Edwards that nobody asked for, and he earned. Look, let's be let's be honest. A lot of people like Tyrod. I get it. I liked Tyrod when he was here, but by the time it happened, he earned that benching for Peterman against the Saints. He earned that. Or against oh, the Chargers. That's tough. That's tough. I, I he, don't know. Look, he, no, <laughs> go go back and go back and, and look at the, that string of games leading into that. He earned that benching. Now, granted, Peterman turned out to be a freaking tire fire that I, I don't think anybody expected. But Tyrod earned that benching, uh, period. End of story, in my opinion. I'm sure there's people that can pull up stats and analytics and, and prove me wrong. That's fine. I just remember going into it when they made that switch I was like, you know what? Maybe it'll work, maybe it won't, but we got to see something different because what we've seen the last few weeks isn't working. If Tyrod comes into this game Sunday and he plays like year one Tyrod where he's got nothing to lose and there's nothing holding him back and he says, you know what? F it. I'm just going to let it rip. Downfield, run, whatever. We might have a game on our hands. If he comes in trying to play ball control like he did his last couple years in Buffalo, it'll be a dog walk and it'll be ugly because uh, we know that Tyrod and I'm sure I'm, I'm positive that Sean McDermott knows that Tyrod too. And he's the one calling the plays now. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and yeah, man, uh, one big time difference. Tyrod doesn't have prime Sammy Watkins, even if he solved this prime Sammy Watkins for just a few games, but, when Tyrod led the league in downfield percentage, Sammy Watkins was a factor, right? And and 
uh, another guy who was a factor was man i just forgot his name the former viking former former jet fast wide receiver i just forgot his name man but he he scored against the colts in a deep throw from tyrod week one also um always uh, was always injured also but those two guys really helped tyrod to throw the ball downfield and and after that it, it never was the same for tyrod anymore so Man, uh, Tyrod won't have time to throw that ball downfield, Randy. With this offensive no. line and all the guys out, right? They have a lot of guys out in the offensive line. You mentioned uh, their investment being poor. And Andrew Thomas is out. Schmitz is out. Uh, Matt Peart is out. So uh, Evan New is going to play, right? And, and yeah, If that's, that's what you want to call it, yeah. Yeah, so... It will be a tough job for Tyrod. Without Saquon Barkley, who's out too... So this offense is in trouble, man. And yeah, I mean, I'm trying to be I'm trying to be nice about it and fair, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 not looking good for for the Giants' offense and Brian Dable. And you know, I almost feel bad. I don't, but I almost do. <laughs> yes, and if they you you just mentioned the quarterback part. If Tyrod be extremely aggressive and 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 try to attack the Bills. And he's on his day, right? Uh, we might have a game, but what else? Who else would help him to to because he can do it by himself, you know? So maybe Darren Waller and, and Paris Campbell in the middle of the field without Milano. Where what do you see as an opportunity for the Giants to try to make it a game? Because right now, let's be honest, it doesn't seem it. It seems like the perfect game for the Bills to rebound from that trip right. long. So if you're talking about trying to exploit you know, matchups and, and uh, trying to get your, your best foot forward. I think the best option for the Giants would be to try and take advantage of the two young linebackers and to try and utilize spacing to get the ball in the short areas and get run after catch. So getting the ball to Cole Beasley, if he plays, getting the ball to Isaiah Hodgins, getting the ball, uh, you know, in that three to three to five yard, three to six yard range in between the hashes or in between the numbers and be able to get some yak rack. Um, that is that is their best best shot. Brian Dable knows how to do that. Um, he certainly can can design a game plan uh, with that in mind to try and exploit, you know, a young Terrell Bernard who's been excellent so far, but he's still young and Dorian Williams in there and trying to get the best matchup on Kyrie Elam as possible because he's proven to be a weak spot so far. Um, you know, that's the way that you try and make this game competitive. I don't think they're going to be able to, to have a lot of long developing route concepts in this game because the, the offensive line issues that we talked about already. So it's going to be getting the ball out fast, three-step drops, you know, uh, pistol, shotgun looks, things like that, moving the pocket. You know, Tyrod's a mobile guy, being able to roll him out a little bit and try and make things happen that way. But it's it's an uphill battle. You know, they're they're trying to sled uphill, and it's not going to be easy by any means. And uh, I, I look for McDermott to really put the clamps on this thing early and get it out of reach to where they don't even have a chance to get Barkley involved um, after, you know, the first 10, 10, 15 minutes of this game. I mean, because he's their shot. If he... If they want to make this thing in any way, shape, or form close, they want they want to be able to keep Barkley involved. And if they can't run the ball because they're down three, four scores, it kind of takes him out aside from making him a receiver. Um, so it's tough. It's tough for the Giants. Yeah, it's the perfect game for McDevitt to show why he benched Tyrod for, for Peterman. He <laughs> finally have an opportunity to justify it, right? Other than the tape, like just like you said, he earned it. The bench, I can respect his opinion. He wasn't really playing great, but that's a perfect opportunity for McDermott. Like, see, that's why I had to do that. Yeah. I had to try something different, right? And on the other side of the ball, that Giants defense, man, that's where I, I'm really disappointed on this unit. Because they have some talent there. Not uh, the secondary is questionable, but they added first round pick there. And uh, but they have some talent in the defensive line. And, and Okereke was a guy who I was intrigued by in the in the free agency as an, an option to replace Edmonds. Uh, 
Uh, and even I, I've seen already on Twitter some people, oh, the Bills suck against three, four teams, stacked boxes. It's another three, four, Martindale. They will replicate what the Jacks did. I don't know if the offense can, can deal with that. That's the perfect opportunity for Dorsey to show they can deal with this kind of defense because let's look at this defensive side of the ball. One of the guys, two of the guys that pops out, in my opinion, obviously Dexter Lawrence, right? And Leonard Williams. I've been a big, big time Leonard Williams fan for, for quite some time now since his Jets days. Really like the guy. And those two guys are dangerous in the interior, but they haven't been great this year, right? No, and I, I think this is where, you know, Osiris Torrance uh, needs to have a big game. You know, he's got to be able to lock it down in there uh, with Mitch Morris and, and Connor McGovern and really, um, you know, give Josh the the time and open up the holes in the run game. I mean, if you get past that defensive line, look at their linebackers and those guys. I mean, yeah, you got Bobby Okariki uh, back there, Okira K, or however they want to pronounce it. Mm. Um you know, Ojolari has been banged up a little bit. There's not a yeah, whole lot out. in the secondary. He's out okay, already. so he's out. Yeah. There's not a whole lot in the secondary other than that first-round pick, Banks. Um, so, I mean, there's there's opportunities to exploit that defense. Now, if they have, uh, you know, what's his name, Thibodeau? Um, you know, Thibodeau can, has four sacks, I think, this season. Yeah, okay. so, it, you know, he's he's somebody that you got to kind of account for, and you got to make sure that you're – you're drawing it up to uh, to neutralize those those two big guys in the middle. Um, but I again, I think with the right game plan and utilizing your weapons correctly, it's just too much. It's just we we have too much and they don't have enough. Um, it's a mat it's a matchup game. It's week to week, and I I just don't see it from a from a Giants perspective them having enough to. To make it competitive, uh, Banks as a prospect is is awesome, uh, but he's one guy. Mm. You know, he's yeah. one guy. Thibodeau Thibodeau is one guy, and I think winning down in and down out against this offense against this quarterback, um, it's not sustainable. Yeah, that's a difference that has only two interceptions this season so far, and you gotta you gotta. If you are in the Giants' place in, for this game, you you gotta have interceptions. You gotta gotta have turnovers, create turnovers, make something really impactful, so you have you stood a chance against these Bills. Because otherwise, man, it it's it has a, a outwritten over a a, a a big time win for the Bills, a, an easy win for the Bills if they can be concentrated, enter the field, play their kind of football. It's a tough, tough matchup for these Giants. And and again, just like you said, Randy, they, they don't have enough weapons, both sides of the ball, to keep it up with the Bills, right? So hopefully the Bills can be ready. They don't overlook this guy, these guys, right? There is the, the aspect of Dable knowing a lot of this Bills team from inside, both sides, right? But... Maybe the same can be said about McDermott dealing with Dable's offense and Tyrod and 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 especially with all the, the problems they have with injuries. What's your uh, prediction? Ken Dorsey has been here when Dable was here. It's yeah. not like Ken Dorsey doesn't know what Dable is going to try and do offensively. Like they they both know each other so well. It's really going to come down to talent and execution. Who's got the better talent and who can execute better? And I'll be hard-pressed to say that the Giants have the advantage in either one of those two areas. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you're talking about a game prediction, I think like 48-10, you 48-7, know, 48-7, uh, you know, 53-3, uh, <laughs> you know, somewhere in that range is is not uh, – I don't think that's out of the question. I don't think it's offensive really to, to put that kind of prediction out there because, I mean, they're – like I said, they're – they're in a tough spot. I, I think of this game, if, if I can use a, a visual image, you know, it's it's that image of the the kid trying to trying to the, beat up the bully, and the bully just has his hand on his forehead, and the kid's swinging at air. Yeah, that's that's this game. Mm -hmm. You know, that that's what we're looking at here. So I don't I don't think they should look past him by any means. But at the same time, I got I got a hard time saying that this game is going to be really competitive at any point uh, past the first couple drives. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like if Lawrence and, and Leonard Williams are really playing up to what they can do and and they their front seven is aggressive, they might be able to do what the Jags did in the sense of containing the Bills' run game. The difference is I think the Bills' passing game will be able to to really punish this defense and... and yeah. And if the, I don't see they, the, this defense being able to replicate what the Jacks did and be a tough matchup also in the air, you know, against the Bills passing game. And, and even with Dorsey having some adjustments that he learned from the last game. So if the Giants try to replicate that, I think the Bills will have better answers this time. And I, I'm totally with you. I will go like, I don't know, man, like 33 to 10. Maybe uh, I'm not. I think yeah. the Bills have the the total uh, capacity to dominate this game, and and I got I got them covering the 14 point spread on every single card that I picked. Yeah, put it that way. Awesome. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. So Bills Mafia, hit that like button, subscribe to Buffalo Rumble's channel. I appreciate you taking your time to be with us. Randy, thank you so much, man. Always a blast to have you here. Uh, leading the chart doors always wide open for you to to join us and and man always have a blast talking bills and talking ball with you thank you so much i appreciate it man thanks for having me on again awesome so mafia i will be back on sunday before the game this time not after the game due to the the sunday night football time uh with a a, a pre-game show in Portuguese, the Sunday show is totally in Portuguese for Brazilian Bills Mafia, Latin America Bills Mafia, Portuguese-speaking countries. And and then I will see to do the, the post-show, the post-game show, or the the analysis from the game on Monday on my own Fernando Shimuzi channel. So I appreciate you taking your time being with us. This episode is also available in all podcast aggregators, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, so... Uh, I really appreciate every download and play there. So, Mafia, that's it. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed as much as I enjoyed having Randy here today. And see you next Sunday. Go Bills. Go Bills.